All right, folks. Well, uh, my name is Marvin Cash. I'm the host of the Articulate Fly, and I'm really pleased to have my good friend Tucker Horn with me this afternoon. He, among other things, he's the team manager of the U.S. Youth Fly Fishing Team. How's it going, Tucker? Hey, thanks for having me on, Marvin. It's really exciting to be one of your first guests on the show. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, hooking me up with the live streaming, too. Um, before we start talking about the, uh, the U.S. Youth Team, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit just about kind of your fishing history. I do this with all of my guests, and the first question I always ask is, you know, what's your earliest fishing memory? So thinking back a long time ago, my family and I used to go to Cashiers, North Carolina in the summers, and my dad had a good college buddy that had a little private pond, and I'll forever remember having a picture on the refrigerator of me and my dad with a clean trout. <laughs> me holding up just in my face just looks absolutely revolted by the thought of it. Um, and I'm holding that trout up and that was my first remembrance of any sort of fishing of any kind. And then, you know, the memories live forever, but, but fishing at Buddy Lee's pond there in, in Cashers and Highlands, that was really special. That was my first interaction with fishing ever. Just a really, really fun memory. That's really cool. How old were you? I don't think I was more than six or seven years old and fishing with a Snoopy pole and probably corn on the end of the hook, and we were definitely keeping everything that we caught at that moment in my life, but definitely memories that, you know, built really a love for the water and a love for fishing. That's awesome. When did you start fly fishing? So fly fishing was kind of different. Um, It was a little later. My dad actually um, brought a fly fishing rod home from a convention in Alaska, and I didn't have any clue what I was doing, but I was really intrigued by it. And I believe my first fish I ever caught on a fly rod was with a dough ball hooked to a fish hook. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't call that fly fishing, but it was my first time fishing with a fly rod. And it was it was kind of fun. Um, we'd catch bass and catfish. And it seemed like I was very effective with the dough ball back then. Yeah, I I had some early experiences fishing for trout with uh with eggs. So I real eggs, not not <laughs> Y2Ks or anything like that. Um I, you know, you've spoken about fishing with your dad. Um was your dad one of your fishing mentors growing up? Definitely not. My dad did definitely encourage me to fish. He paid for me to go to a class at Carolina Mountain Sports in Statesville when I was in high school, it was early in the morning, and anybody that knows me knows I don't really love mornings. So we were having a we were having just a father son bonding moment on the way up to Statesville from Huntersville, about twenty minutes away, probably fifteen then because traffic was a lot better. But we were having a good father son bonding moment, and I promptly told my dad, "Dad, I don't want to do anything. I don't want anything to do with fly fishing. Like I think it's terrible. It's really boring. Only old people do it." And who would have ever thought today I'd be fishing as much as I do? Yeah, look at you now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Richard, for helping me keep my sanity. Yeah, and by the way, Richard's got a great shop. If you're ever in Statesville, you really should stop by. He's got great tying supplies. He's got a lot of competitive nymph tying stuff, too. He does. He does. He's got a great selection. Totally not endorsed by Richard, but I love I love his shop. I think it's one of the best in the Charlotte area. Yeah, I have to agree with that. So how did you uh, jump from fly fishing to competitive fly fishing? So I somehow talked my way into getting into college at Western Carolina University. They, they let me in, and that was really nice of them. But it was really funny. Um, I had a roommate my freshman year, and I was 
I don't know what I was doing, but I was throwing some sort of rooster tail with a fly rod. <laughs> and I think that's when Paul Bork came up to me. And Paul Paul is a very accomplished tangler. He's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and he gave me an egg pattern. And, and that was the start of my fly fishing career. Um, Paul was a great mentor to me. Um, he saw me obviously struggling on the river with fly fishing with a rooster tail. <laughs> and... Uh, Never would have thought I'd be such good friends with Paul. Um, that turned into a great friendship. I've learned so much from Paul over the years. Other mentors that I think of right off the top of my head, Josh Stevens. Josh was really uh, a front runner for competitive fly fishing in, in Western North Carolina. He lived out West for quite a while and came back to Western North Carolina where he was from and really tried to get that competitive scene off the ground. And the things he's done for competitive fly fishing are very impressive. I also think of Chris Lee too. Um, Chris was one of the uh, one of the coaches of the U.S. youth team at one point, and Chris really took me under his wing. His uh, his ex-wife was actually a professor of mine in college, and really um, got me to know Chris. And Chris taught me a lot too. I'm really thankful for those those friendships. Yeah, it's interesting. So you you get into the competitive fly fishing and fly fishing. Um, how do you take do that, and then how do you get involved with the U.S. youth team? So um, my trip to getting involved with the youth team was was pretty lengthy. I wasn't involved when I was in college at all. Um, it really wasn't very big in the southeast when I was in college. Um, we had a lot of these little informal mini comps, we called them, and it was ten fishing buddies would come from around western north carolina and eventually georgia and tennessee and other places we had this team called the north carolina fly fishing team back in the day and it's, it actually exists again now um, we were set up as a non-profit we got a lot of good pro deals and sponsorships on stuff and it was you know a bunch of guides on the team a bunch of people that really knew what they were doing some guys that had been on team usa and we just pushed each other to get better it was really cool to see the beginning of competitive fly fishing kind of take hold in in North Carolina um eventually North Carolina wasn't the only team dead drift came around uh team stonefly was around and it was just this friendly rivalry that was just kind of fueled for making each other better and the, the teams were kind of regional stonefly was a lot of guys from the flatland of North Carolina and dead drift was definitely made up of mainly people from Georgia. The North Carolina fly fishing team was mainly people from North Carolina. And we went out and we had practices and these little mini comps and we helped each other when we'd go to a national championship or we'd get together a team for, uh, what was then the America's cup, uh, out in Colorado. And it was just a lot of fun. It's some of my best memories of, of really my life. We're hanging out with those guys and learning how to fish, and we were all at kind of various levels, and I think we really all, even the the people on the lower level, helped the people that were on the upper level. It was pretty fun. And I mean, you know, I know now North Carolina is a real hotbed for youth fly fishing. Yeah. And I mean, how did that happen, and who was involved in making it what it is today? So that's that's a kind of a tough question with a lot of parts to it, but... Uh, Chris Lee and Chris Smith, who are both from North Carolina and Josh Stevens, they've all been really closely affiliated with the team for a long time. Paul Bork as well. Um, 
they've all served as managers or coaches at some point. Um, Gordon Vanderpool is now the Southeast regional coach. He's from Franklin and is a great fishing guide out in Western North Carolina. Um, really just all of those parts of the puzzle, I think have provided the educational resources for kids to get into it. There's also just a lot of tournaments in the East. Um, many more than there are out West because of our access to water, our access to being able to get permits to host competitions on forest service lands. A lot of those things just don't happen out West. The laws are different. The rules are different. The, um, feelings and thoughts about competitive fly fishing are a lot different. So that has made the East definitely a hotbed for competitive fly fishing. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, you know, I know you're the team manager um, for the U.S. Uh, youth fly fishing team. You know, tell us a little bit about what that, what that means and what you do. So, yeah, I am uh, one of the two team managers for the U.S. youth fly fishing team. Um, the other one is Josh Miller, who lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He really handles the instructional aspect of the managing position, and I handle more of the logistics side of things. Um, that's just kind of the way we work together is Josh is very good with the technical aspects of what we need to have when we organize a tournament. Um, these beats need to be longer, or we need to do two-hour sessions instead of three-hour sessions, or let's try to fish this water because it'll make the kids better during a clinic. Um, and I'm more of the, this is where we're going to hold the clinic. <laughs> this is how we're going to fund it. And this is what we're going to feed the kids. <laughs> um, that's really more my role is the logistical side of it. Yeah. I'm sure you're a little bit of the technology swami too, right? A little bit, little bit. Yeah. And that's actually how I got involved with, um, the youth team is I, I was contacted and reached right back out to build them a new website after their old website went down. And now they're in a really slick mobile friendly website with the ability to capture payments. And it's really, it's pretty fun um, for a, a web guy to give back to something that he really loves. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I know you met, you mentioned Josh and Gordon, um, who are the other adult leaders on the team? Um, the other adult leaders on the team. So it's kind of a regional coaching structure. We've got Brian Kimmel out West, who's a full-time guide in Montana, right around Yellowstone and Bozeman. And then we've got Gordon Vanderpool, who's the Southeast Regional Coach, and Josh Miller is also the Northeast Regional Coach. Those those are definitely great resources for the kids on the team, so they don't have to travel quite as far to really practice and hone their skills. And then we've got a head coach, Calvin, who lives in Pennsylvania. And uh, like I mentioned, uh, Josh Miller is from Pittsburgh. So the Northeast has become quite a hotbed for competitive fly fishing, too. A lot of good water. Water stays pretty pretty chilly throughout the year, which is good good for competitive fly fishing. Awesome. So how many uh, how many team members are on the team? So there's 15 youth members on the team. Um, that stays pretty consistent, and they are all picked um, by hand. Um, there's we kind of factor a lot of different things in, but angler performance during the clinic certainly has a lot to do with it. Um, Angler performance at youth nationals has a lot to do with it. Now, with that being said, we've had kids that have made the team that weren't able to get to nationals for, like, let's say a wedding or a funeral or something like that. Um, angler performance demonstrated in non-Team USA youth events. So 
Um, a lot of tournaments are organized by other people than, than the team. So we factor in performance at other competitions like Casting for Hope or um, what was the America Cup, uh, the North American Lock Style Championship in British Columbia, tournaments like that. Really, there's a lot of tournaments that pop up. You can find those tournaments on flycomps.com. And uh, we factor in character of the individual and respect for teammates and coaches and really just showing that they're a good steward of the sport. Gotcha. Do you want to you talk a little bit about the members of the team? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, the team's got 15 members, like I said. There's three members from uh, Pennsylvania. There's six members from North Carolina. We've got three members from Texas right now. We've got a member from Oregon, we've got a member from Colorado, and we've got a member from Georgia. And I'd imagine that'll switch up a lot this year. We've got um, a lot of really talented anglers that have been at the clinics this year. And uh, that's going to be exciting to see those changes uh, after we announce a team after the national championship. Fantastic. So, I, you know, talked a little bit about performance and comps and, and character. Can you be a little bit more specific about the requirements like age, things like that, and then maybe... Um, you know, talk about like from the perspective as if you, you know, if you were in the age bracket or you had a kid who was in the age bracket, kind of what the process would be to kind of explore getting on the team. For sure. So most of the kids on the team are 15 to 18. They can fish into their year of their 19th birthday in world competition. And uh, they can start coming to clinics as early as 12. So uh, this year, we've we've launched a new clinic program called our Real Girls Clinic, and we're really trying to get women and girls involved in the in the sport of competitive fly fishing. We had a really successful clinic in Pennsylvania, and we're going to have another one in North Carolina in the spring. It's going to be a girls only clinic. And where will people be able to find information about that? So you can find information about the team or the clinics or the national championship. You can find all of that information on our website, uh, usyouthflyfishing.com. Awesome. And I'll drop that in the show notes too. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so let's see. Um, how often do you compete once you make the team? So that's, that's totally up to the individual. Um, the kids that live in North Carolina are obviously lucky to have many more competitions than the one kid we've got on the team from Oregon. Uh, the kid on the team from Georgia not too far to get to North Carolina for a competition. So they're kind of graced with having the local connection and ability to fish many more local tournaments. And in terms of going to events, I know you're a 501c3 and you raise money. Can you give us an idea of sort of, you know, what's the competitor's responsibility, what the team covers, and just kind of a rough ballpark of what that might be in a given year if, if a kid competes? Yeah, so... That's a hard number figure to, to really delve into. Um, we try to keep the clinics very relatively low cost. We don't try to have the clinics more than two or $300 um, a piece per angler. Um, and that's, that's just something that we've, we've really worked hard to keep that number down to keep it affordable for families. Um, the national championship is a little bit more expensive. There's more logistics. There's more travel for coaches to get there. There's just a lot that goes into running a national championship that we don't usually have at a clinic. Um, with that being said, it's expensive to travel via airline around this country. Uh, it's, and it's a big country. It costs a lot of money to move around to places. 
I know we've got kids coming in from Oregon, Montana, Texas. We've got kids coming, really, Maryland for this national championship coming up. And it costs a lot of money to, uh, to get here. Um, we, we, try to, we try to keep the championship entry fee as, as low as possible. Um, and we do that by, by sponsorships with the team. And our nonprofit status certainly helps. And we also do a lot of cons- conservation projects um, kind of all over the country. Um, it's always a, a part of the clinic, too, as a conservation component. But we get a lot of environmental grants, and we're able to do a lot of really good work with trout habitat restoration. That's really cool. And so if someone wanted to make a donation, I assume they can do it through the website? Yeah, donations are really easily made via PayPal on the website. There's also an address if you wanted to mail a check. Gotcha. And if uh, I assume you're you're interested in manufacturers, if manufacturers want to offer support potentially? Love it, yeah. Manufacturer support is always important. Um, financial support is paramount in the success of the team. Costs a lot of money to run a, yeah. an organization like this. How, how about donation of frequent flyer miles? Um, never been approached about that. Yeah. But because uh, I know I, I've, I've got frequent flyer miles through America, and they always have opportunities to donate them and give them to people. So I don't yeah. know. Maybe we can. That could be something cool to look into. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of parents would love that. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. We talked about where to make donations. Um. Talk about kind of the recent uh, events that the team's been involved with and kind of how they've done. Yeah, so uh, the team's had a very, very successful past eight or ten years. Um, a lot of medals, a lot of individual medals, and a lot of team medals in that, that time frame. Um, this last world championship, we had a very young team, and a very we're very optimistic that that team's going to continue to grow and get even better. This year wasn't our best finish at the world championship. But like I said, I think that young team is going to really develop into uh, a really dangerous team in world championships in the future. We've got lots of gold medals. We've got some silver medals and some bronze medals. Uh, we were on a tear there for a while. I think we, we had a medal in seven of seven championships. Wow. That's maybe pretty impressive. Seven of eight. So uh, speaking of hotbeds competitively, uh, some of those European countries have, almost infinite financial support, uh, whether it's from the government or private funding. And that's something we really don't have a, a, as much of as they do over there. And they also have the ability to travel and, and fish in these European championships. It's something we don't have here. Interesting. Um, so what, say, maybe for the next three to six months, what's coming up for, uh, for the team? So, yeah, Veterans Day weekend, we've got the National Fly Fishing Championship that's going to be held in Cherokee and Bryson City uh, on the Okuna Lefty River. And it's also going to tentatively be on the Nantahala Upper and Lower. So really looking forward to that event and uh, just kind of waiting to get our permits finalized. Cool. And is that open to the public? So can yeah. someone come and watch? Any spectator can come watch. Uh, we'll have the... Uh, the schedule posted on the team website and you'll see you'll see people around watching it's pretty fun to watch these kids are really good do you need volunteers uh not really needing any volunteers at this point uh would love to see some smiling faces encouraging these kids from the riverbank though very cool so i guess the is the website the best place to stay kind of up to date on what's going on with the team yeah yeah usyouthflyfishingteam.com and, and the team facebook page is also very active Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, Tucker. 
I have had a blast. I have too. Well, listen, folks, I appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Um, This episode will uh, drop shortly. You'll find it in iTunes. You'll find it on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere that a podcast uh, shows up on the internet, you can find it. Hope everybody has a great afternoon. Take care and tight lines.